Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast with lead pastor Don Headley. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that he gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. The idea behind this series is I want everyone in here to commit themselves through this series to go 100 as it, get this, as it relates to finances. Uh, we, you see up here we talked about give, save, spend. We'll be covering those over the next few weeks. And we want to take a look at Scripture and see what God has to say uh, about our finances in this situation. So to kick things off today, I want to send you over to Isaiah chapter 55. If you'd head over to Isaiah chapter 55, go to verse 8 and 9. If uh, you need a Bible, raise your hand. We've got some guys coming up and down the aisle. They'll hand you one, put your name in it. It's yours. Uh, open up your device. Now, if you go to the MVF Colorado app, uh, and you open that up, click on the Bible module, it will actually give you all of the passages that we're using today in order. And so that's an easy way to look those up as well so that you can read along. Do you realize that every week you take a test, or every other week, or every month you take a test, and the way that you score this test, the way that you are graded on this test affects every other area of your life? Like it affects your relationships, your marriage, your parenting. If you have kids, it affects your stress, your peace, your contentment. Everything that you do on this test affects every area of your life. And you might be going, well, I, don't, I haven't taken a test in years. And, and I want to show you what I'm talking about, if you haven't figured it out already this morning, is this, that every time you get paid, you take a test. Every time you receive a paycheck, you take a test. And, and if you were today forced to give yourself a grade on how you do when you receive that paycheck, my question is, how would you grade yourself? What grade would you give yourself? A D, a B, some of you an A plus maybe? I mean, how are you doing on how much debt you collect? How are you doing on the way that you spend your finances or the way that you save and put away for later? How are you doing in your generosity? How would you grade yourself? Now, uh, is there anybody in here that would give themselves a 100 on that test right now? I want you to look around the room, all right? Because this is telling nobody, nobody. We won't grade ourselves at 100. You know why? Because we're not that confident in this test. We struggle in this test. Uh, We all take a test every time we get paid, but many of us, we feel like it's a pop quiz, right? Like you get a check on the first and you're like, oh my gosh, I got a check, now what do I do with it? And we're not sure about it. And then on the first, the next month, we get another one and we're not ready for it again. And then it's like, it's like crazy how that works, isn't it? We don't prepare ourselves for the test and so therefore, we don't even know how to grade ourselves. We don't even know how to score 100 on the test. Now in this series, my goal is that over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about biblical principles, and we're going to teach us how to approach every paycheck from a godly standpoint in hopes that you would be very confident. The next time you ask that question, your arm would shoot up and go, I know what God desires of me, and we're following that plan, and we've seen it play out in our lives, and I would grade us at an A+. That's my desire for you, that you would have that 
type of confidence. And the reason for that is because money is not about money. You know that? Money is about lordship. Money is about lordship. If I wanted to know what was important to you, all I would have to do is look at your bank statement because it would tell me everything about you. It would tell me where your priorities lie. It would tell me what you worshiped. Money is about lordship. Now, as we jump into the subject, I want to acknowledge that in this moment, every time a church talks about money, people tend to get nervous, right? Like we're getting a little shook up already. Like Don's already jumping into this thing, man. I don't know about this. And, and it's, it's one of those things where I think we have this, this, this assumption that money should be off limits. Like it's the subject that shouldn't be addressed in church. And to some extent, I get it, right? Like money's secretive. We don't want anyone else to know how much we have or what we make or how we handle it because if we're honest, many of us, we don't even know what we're doing with it. And so we don't want anyone to look at it for fear that they'll go, what are you doing? You're an idiot, right? Because we can't even grade ourselves right now. So we're struggling with money and we don't want anyone else to know about it. And so it's a secret private thing. And so I kind of get it from that standpoint that we think that the church shouldn't address it. But honestly, it's quite odd thinking that the church shouldn't address it because for a couple of reasons. First of all, I would say this, that in the church, um, first of all, I have to acknowledge that as a church, churches across the world, pastors across the world, many times have abused the subject. And I get that. That makes sense to me, and I, and I acknowledge that. I hate that. I don't like that truth about the church, but it has been done. And I want you to know that's not going to happen here. Uh, you're not going to hear that from me because here's the deal. I have accountability, and if you hear me teaching anything outside of biblical principles, they can fire me for that, all right? And that's a good thing. And so what you're going to hear in this series is going to be biblical principles for how we're supposed to deal with our money. And, and so I understand that makes things a little bit awkward. It makes it, a, you know, we get a little nervous when the pastor's talking about money. But let me tell you why I think it's a good thing when the church talks about money. Because usually when we get a phone call in our office from anybody wanting to come in and talk to one of the pastors, it's usually about one, of two, one or two uh, items. It's either about sex or money hey, we're having some issues in our marriage. We need to come in and talk to somebody. Sex or money. We're having all kinds of issues in our family. Sex or money, right? This is the way it goes down just about every time. So my question is this. Um, if you look at Scripture and you realize that Jesus spoke more about money than any other issue except for the kingdom of God, so you have the kingdom of God and you have money, doesn't it make sense that the church should address it? Now, it's kind of interesting. I wonder why Jesus did that. I think maybe because he thought ahead and knew that this was going to be a, like a big obstacle for us. It would be a barrier for us coming to be more like him every day. And so he says, I need to address this. And so he addressed it. And so we, we as a church, I think, need to address it. And I'll just admit to you, when we launched this church 14 years ago, uh, I didn't like talking about money. Actually, I didn't do it for many years. We even launched the church. One of the mantras that we had was leave your wallet at home. And the reason for that was because we knew one of the top five reasons people didn't come to church is because they always felt like the church was always asking for their money. And we wanted them to come into the church and hear the gospel of Jesus and understand God wanted their heart and not their money. 
So we said, leave your wallet at home. But as the years went by, here's what I started to realize. The more I dug into Scripture and grew in my pastoral role, I started beginning to understand that this is a serious problem, and it's a major issue. That's why Jesus taught on it so much. And if I, as a pastor, don't teach you the biblical principles, guess what? We're an unbiblical church. And so I have to do a better job of learning how to teach it so that you'll receive it. And so that's my attempt over the next few weeks. I'm hoping to jump into this. We did this last year. We're doing it again this year. The reason for that is because it's an issue within the church, not just outside the walls, but in the church. And so we need to revisit this and keep teaching these principles. And so we're going to continue to teach this from here on out. I'm going to do a better job of it. I'm committed to it. Now, I want you to know as we start this entire series, I want you to keep this in mind that I want nothing from you. I want nothing from you, and I only want God's best for you. I see in Scripture where we apply these principles, God is able to come alongside of us and bless us, and I want that for you. I've lived it out. I've seen it happen in many of your lives, and so I want to teach this to you over and over again until we get it. And if you see me up here over the next few weeks getting passionate, it's only because I've been there and done that. Many times when preachers are up and they're preaching about something, they're passionate, it's because they're preaching to themselves and not just you. And this entire series, you're going to hear me get passionate about it because we've been there and done that. From the time I was a little kid, I always remember money issues entering into our family. My dad, for the majority of my growing up years, was always self-employed. And we always had this feast or famine thing going on. It was no in-between. And I even have some of that affected me today. I remember uh, as a kid hearing my parents argue at the kitchen table about money. And that, that impacted me to such a deep, deep degree. I'll tell you, a funny thing is, like in our house, I will not eat a peanut butter sandwich. I won't do it. Because when my family, when I was growing up, when we were really, really starving and and struggling, that's what we ate. And I swore when I got older and got out of the house, I'm never eating another peanut butter sandwich in my life. I mean, that's, and that's so weird, right? I like peanut butter. I'm just not going to eat it. And even in my house, I like to have nice lunch meats. That makes me feel good. It's like, okay, we're doing okay, right? Because in my house, when when we were doing well, when we were growing up, dad would go out and he'd buy some nice lunch meats. See how it impacts us even to the very core of who we are? And so when I got older and I got married, my wife was coming from a whole different background. I was coming from that background. And we got together and we're like, all right, uh, you think you know how to do books and I have no clue what I'm doing and let's go do this thing, man. And we just rushed right into marriage and started charging things up and and trying to, to live the life that it took our parents 30 years to build all in that first year, right? So we charge all kinds of stuff. And if I told you over about four, five, six, seven years how much credit card debt we racked up, it would scare you. I look back on it now and I'm just, I'm thinking I wish somebody had taught us. I wish somebody had told us way back before then. I want to save you that heartache. Now, I shared with you last year during the financial series that over years and years, my wife worked, my wife and I worked hard and we got out of debt. We got completely out of debt. Now, I get to tell you the part of the message that I so desperately wanted to cut all week long, but I feel convicted like I need to share this with you because if I don't, I'm being dishonest with you. And I'm embarrassed to admit this. Last year, we were completely debt-free. We made two decisions this last year. One of them was even ministry-related. We justified it by saying, well, it's, it's ministry, and, and uh, we put ourselves back in debt. 
Now, it's a, it's a fraction of what we were before, but it's still debt. And we said we weren't going to do that anymore. And we're to a place right now to where we're like, what in the world were we thinking? Like, that's stupid. And, and when we're trying to pay that thing off, we're putting everything on it right now, just trying to pay it off and get it done. And we're so angry with ourselves right now over the whole situation. We're like, okay, we're paying this off and never, like never again are we ever going to get to this place ever again. And we're going to do it. I mean, I, we've got it on the calendar. We're going after it. We're doing everything that we can to pay it down. And I'm going to show that to you in a few weeks of how damaging that can be to your overall budget. But I want you to know that as I get passionate about this and I talk about it, it's because I know and I, I believe that God can begin to do something miraculous in your life when you align what you're doing with his will. It's something amazing that he's able to do. And so this is my desire for you. I don't want, no, I don't want nothing from you. I want God's best for you. So what I've discovered is that when we talk about this subject, we start talking about finances, it takes this massive shift in thinking for us to get to a place where we can actually think about it the way God thinks about it. Because so often when we look at our money, we're taking Wall Street's advice and not God's. And so we need to understand that it's super counterintuitive. Like the things that, that God tells us to do, we're like, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. And we, we fight back and we kick back against it and we struggle in doing it because we don't understand it. It's not making a whole lot of sense to me. And, and so I need to show this to you. Isaiah 55 tells us, this is God talking to us, and he says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And what we're going to teach you over the next few weeks is going to sound ridiculous. Some of it today, what I'm going to hit on, you're going to think, that's stupid. That doesn't make any sense. Like, like you can put it on a calculator. It doesn't make any sense. And I'll admit it. I'm going to show that to you today. But you have to understand that God's way is better. God's way is better. God has a plan for our finances that is counter to the world's teachings. And for you to, to reap the benefit of that, you've got to buy into it and you've got to understand what God desires from you. So we're going to get very practical over the next few weeks, just very practical. You can see up here we have these three things. Uh, we're going to talk about giving, talk about saving, talk about spending. And, and in that order, we're going to have some fun with that and uh, just get very practical on how we do that and do it in a very biblical way. Now, the problem with all of this, though, is the way that we look at our finances because I laid it out that way, but so often you and I, when we think of our finances, we think of it like this. We think about spending and then saving and then giving. This is one of those counterintuitive things that God calls us to. So many of us, as you know, we hit this financial series last year, maybe I'm doing it right now, and, and you're thinking in your head, well, that sounds great, Don, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to get our spending under control and then once we get our spending under control, then we're going to save a little bit because you need an emergency fund, and then we'll start to give. And I want you to know that theologically and practically, that never works. And let me explain to you why it never works. Because your priorities are out of whack. Because the priorities go like this. Me, me, and then God. And you need to know this, that any area where God is last, he will not fully bless. That's the way that works. Any area where God is not in first place, he, he's not going to fully bless it. And in, in our finances, so often, God takes the last. 
He comes in last. And what we're told in Scripture is we're supposed to reverse this order. It should look more like this. To give and then save and then spend. I mean, how countercultural is that? That doesn't make any sense. But this is the way God teaches us. You know why? Because the truth is this. Until you prioritize giving as your first priority, God will never be able to fully bless your finances. He wants to be first in everything, and that includes your finances. That's why I told you earlier that every time you get paid, you take a test. You know what that test is? The test is, who are you going to put first? Who is it that you're going to thank? Who is it that you're going to honor first with your paycheck? Now, the reason this is so important is because, um, turn over to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. For many of us, I think the first person that we decide to thank is usually like MasterCard, right? Or, or Amazon. And don't get me wrong, I think Amazon Prime is just awesome, all right? But that's not the first person that should be thanked. And let me, let me ask you a question. Maybe you'll understand it this way. Let me ask you, does Visa have the ability to bless your finances? Yes or no? No. No. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Uh, does, um, does Amazon have the ability to bless your finances, yes or no? No. Does the IRS have the... I'm just going to stop right there, okay? <laughs> Don't even need to answer that one. So uh, I want you to know this, that God, it's only God and God alone has the ability to bless your finances. That's it. And God is the one that gives us what we have, and he asks that, that we bring to him... The first part of that, that we give first and then save and then spend. And God teaches us this principle uh, in giving that, that shows us how to put him first. It's this principle that's called tithe. And this tithe is actually this, this Hebrew word that means a tenth or 10% is what it means. And so he's asking us to, to bring back this 10% of what he's blessed us with, and that is considered the tithe. Now, um, I know this to be true for every one of us, okay? Whether you've heard this before or not, that when we start talking about 10%, we're like, oh my gosh, 10%, that is a big step of faith, right? I get that. Tithing requires a big step of faith for us because we struggle with it. And I know some of you are thinking, okay, you're talking about a tenth of my paycheck. If you knew how much I made and, and what we do with that money and then how little's left over and you're talking about 10%. I mean, I've got to give this much and that's like, that's like 10%. And I've got to give that? Don, if you don't even know what you're talking about. I want to tell you, yes, I do. Because I've been there. I've done that. And I'm acknowledging this is a big step of faith. So I want to give you a few things to encourage you, some principles that we've learned to help you take this step, this step of faith, and help you trust God in your finances, all right? So first one is this, that tithing is the only place in Scripture we're invited to test God. We're told, you know, don't put to the test the Lord your God. Don't put, you know, don't test the Lord your God. But yet when it comes to this subject of tithing, uh, of finances, God says, test me. This whole tithe of 10%, uh, and we call it a tithe, again, because it's 10% is what it means. And so if you think about it in practical terms, you'd say a paycheck. If I got a paycheck of $2,000, then the tithe would be how much? How much? 
math wizards. Okay, yeah, $200. So $200 is the tithe in that. And again, I get this, okay? If you have a paycheck that's 2000 and we're sitting here talking, you've never heard this, and you're thinking, $200, that's, that's a lot of money. That's like, that's like 10%. You know, and, I, and you want me to give that to God. If you made $10,000, it would be what? A thousand. Yeah, a thousand. So it's easy math, right? But it's a lot harder to put into practice because we get so scared and wound up about what we're giving away instead of keeping. But here's what Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 says. Bring all the tithes. Catch that. It doesn't mean 3%. It doesn't mean 4 or 9.5%. It means the whole thing. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Don't you love the way it's like we're sitting here going, oh, $200, I don't even know. And, and it's like the Lord of heaven's armies. I mean, he created everything. Like he's got everything. And God's saying, just give it to me. And if you do, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great, you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Some of your translations say, test me in this. So often we get this question of people when we start talking about the subject, is it net or is it gross? You know, and, and I'll just be honest with you, it's not broken down in scripture. It's not told you know, and I always tell people when they come up and ask that question, like, you're missing the point if you're worried about net or gross. But I'll say it this way. You can decide on, on the answer to this question. Which one do I want God to bless? It's probably the best way to answer the question. Now, this is why God says, test me. Test me, because he knows this is difficult. He's saying, just test me. Show, just give it and watch what I can do in that. The only place in Scripture where we're told to test God is right here. And practically speaking, this is what God is saying by this. He's saying 90% with my blessing goes further than 100% on your own. I can do more with your 90%. If you give me that 10, then you could do it the whole 100. Practically speaking, if you say it this way, uh, if you make $5,000 on the tithe, that would be... 500, two people, okay, 500. Uh, so 500, so if you're giving 500 to God, uh, what God is saying is, look, $4,500 with him is much bigger than if you kept the 5,000 on your own. And it's amazing. This, this, you take this equation to a math teacher and see what they say. They'll kick you out of the class. They're gonna call you crazy. Do you know why? Because this doesn't make any sense to them. This is one of the reasons why God says, test me. I know this isn't going to make sense to you, so test me and watch. I dare you, just test me and watch what happens in this. Uh, did you know that all through Scripture, the number 10 represents a test? We see it over and over and over again. It's amazing to me how many times the number 10 comes up as it relates to a test. Take a look at these. How many plagues were in Egypt? 10. How many commandments are there? 10. How many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? 10. How many times were Jacob's wages changed? Ten. How many days were, was Daniel tested? Ten. Over and over again, ten is a test. And God says, here's what I want, 10%, and I want you to test me in this. Every time you get a paycheck, you're taking a test. So tithing is this big step of faith. I get it. And tithing is the only place where God says test him. And another principle that I would say is that you can't give a tithe. You can only bring it. 
all the time through Scripture, you're never told to give your tithe. You're told to bring your tithe. Even uh, Leviticus chapter 27 says, one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the what? The Lord. It belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. 10%. This is all I ask. Just bring it back. I give you, I give you 100. I'm just asking for the 10. Just bring me the 10 because it belongs to the Lord. It's considered holy, and you bring it back to him, and that is your tithe. Now, this is going to be hard. This is going to be a hard statement for some of you, but I want you to, to answer this question. What do you call somebody who keeps something that is not theirs? Okay, so this, this is, it, it's, yeah, it's not hard to get it, but when it comes to this subject, we struggle with it. But it's easy to understand it. It's one of the reasons why we see all through Scripture when they're not tithing, God says things like this, why are you robbing me? Have you ever noticed that? This is the way God sees it. Now, it all belongs to God. Every bit of it belongs to God. We're just bringing back a portion to Him of what He has already blessed us with. This is the tithe. And trust me, this isn't about making you feel guilty or shaming you into giving to God's church. That's not what this is about at all. Actually, this is about uh, helping you see it the way God sees it so that it might motivate us to put him first in this very difficult area of our lives so that he can come alongside of us and bless us in that. That's all this is about. This isn't about guilt or shame. It's about bringing him back what is already rightfully his. It's considered holy. And even Malachi chapter 3, what we read early, starts off by saying, bring all the tithe. Bring it. It's already his. Just bring it back to him. We don't give a tithe. We can only bring it. Now, through this entire series, I want us to view it this way, that God is the owner and we are just the managers. It all belongs to him anyway. And so the idea is God gives this to us. Now what are we supposed to do with it? God, how is it that you want me to distribute the funds that you've given me? And so this is why he says, test me. Just test me. And I'm going to show up and I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. So I believe that if we're faithful in this, that God does amazing things in our lives because of it. Now, let me stop and say this. It's not always monetary. I'm not telling you it's a two-for-one, okay? God is not a vending machine. But what I am telling you is that you're going to see some amazing things play out. And I'll just give you a sample. One of the things that I, I didn't realize until we got out of debt, we followed God's plan, we got out of debt, I didn't realize how many arguments my wife and I had about money until we got out of debt. And what it did for our marriage was amazing. It's another reason why we're so angry at ourselves and trying to get back out again because we understood that that made all the difference in the world, even in our own relationship. That's just a sampling of what God can do if we follow his plan. So I have a challenge for every one of us. Here's my challenge. For the next three months, if you've never tithed before, I want you to tithe. just want you to give. I know that's a big, that's a big challenge. Uh, now, if you give cash... I want you to put it in an envelope and put your name on it. And the reason I say that is because we want to record it to you so that we know what you've given. So here's my challenge. Give for three months. If you have been giving, maybe bump it just a little bit and see what God does in that. 
Now, the reason I'm telling you to do it for three months is, is this. If at the end of three months, you don't see God respond to that. He says, test me. I believe that he's, he's going to respond to you. If you don't see God respond, if you don't see God move in that act of following this biblical principle, then you come directly to me and we will refund every cent that you give. That's my promise to you. How can I make such a promise? Because I see it in scripture. I see God say, test me. I want your heart. And I know this stands between me and you. And I want you to put me first in it. Test me. And so my challenge is, I want to, I want to challenge you to test him. Test him and see if he doesn't respond to that. Now, I'll go as far as this. If you struggle in giving to this church because, I don't know, the leadership or Don looks funny, I just don't like the way he talks, whatever it is, okay, it doesn't matter to me. If you don't trust this church to give a tithe, here's what I want you to do. I want you to leave and go find another church that you feel comfortable to tithe in and tithe. That's what I want you to do. That's how serious this is. That's how serious it is to God. You need to follow this biblical principle. Now, if you are a first-time guest in here, none of this applies to you. All right, we're talking to disciples of Jesus Christ, those who have committed their lives to Jesus Christ. As, a, as somebody who hasn't received Christ, you can just sit back and watch everybody else squirm for the next several weeks, okay? It's great. But this isn't for you, so this shouldn't run you out or chase you off. I want you to keep coming back and hearing what we're, we're talking about. Because this is a principle that God teaches us and he calls us to follow him because he knows that this is one of the major areas where we get hung up. And so that's why he says, test me in this. So either start that tithe for three months, try it out, see if God responds to you, either bump it up or go find someplace else where you can actually tithe and tithe and start following this this commandment that God gives his people. That's my challenge. So, The other thing I want you to do is I want you to grab some people and come back for the next um, three weeks. Bring them with you because over the next three weeks, we're going to get into these three cylinders. We're going to break each one down. We're going to talk about what it says in Scripture and how we're supposed to, these things are to play out in our lives when it comes to our finances. And my prayer and hope is that at the end of these four weeks, that you'll have a completely different view, that you'll have God's view when it comes to your finances. All right, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now as people who desire to be more like you. But Lord, we also acknowledge that this is a touchy area. We struggle with it. Uh, it's one that sometimes we, uh, we try to put a chokehold on because we, we're afraid that if it leaves us, that we'll lose everything. And, and God, it just it puts so much pressure on us. And we know that, that you say that you want to take that from us. that you want to to be first in this area to the point to where you say, test me. And I pray that, uh, especially those in the room that have never done this before, that they would make the commitment to test you. God, because I know that when they do and you respond to them, that they'll know that they have a God who loves them, that cares for them, and will provide for them regardless of what's going on in the world around them. God, I pray that this would be a moment where we'd take some big steps toward you, these, these big steps of faith, And that it would mold and shape us into people that not only look more like you, but can share testimony about how you've moved in our lives because of these steps.
I pray all this brings glory and honor to the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen. Thanks for joining us here at Mountain View Fellowship. We'd love the chance to meet you in person. We gather each Sunday at 9 and 1045 a.m. at 1955 Headlight Road in Strasburg, Colorado. If you aren't able to join us in person, we'll meet you right back here next week. God bless. Thank you.